Good morning, brethren. <clears throat> Welcome to you visitors. Good to see you here, Mark and Julie. It's good to be here. <clears throat> well, I thank you, Andrew, for that children's lesson. just kind of puts us all in perspective in our size and substance and who we are. <clears throat> and yet God has more value in us than all those stars. Isn't that amazing? <clears throat> so it's, it's good to step up here knowing that uh, I am small, but God is big. So that's, that's encouraging. <clears throat> so let's, let's have a little moment of prayer here before I start. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you. Lord, we worship you. We look up to you as the God is... Um, as that song we just sang, you dwell within her breast, and yet as we just heard that you are, you have created these hundred million, billion stars, I'm not sure if that was the number, and yet you put your name upon us, you call us sons and daughters, and yet we're so small. You made us after your image, and Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, we're in, all of, we're in awe of you, and we come before you, Lord. Thank you that you are, you show a true example of humility and that you stoop down to our level, Lord, when you have greater, higher, loftier things in your control. Lord, we thank you. Dwell within our hearts today. Speak to our needs, Lord. Lord, I trust I'm bringing what you gave me, and I pray that it would minister in what you intended it to do. Lord, I pray. A blesser. Bless this word, give me freedom to just step out of the way and let you speak. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> so I appreciate it, um, uh, what Randall shared in his testimony, and um, just a couple of notes I took out of that is, is my life bringing glory to God? And it's a good way to springboard off of what I'm, I'm going to share and we owe it to him. It's not an option. We owe it to him. <clears throat> and it's not just a, it's not just a song we sing. It's a life we live. That brings glory to him. Sanctified, set aside for God. <clears throat> I had the blessing of actually listening in on. Um, some of those messages too. While I was on the truck. I put my headset on and was able to listen. <clears throat> I got got a little distracted in that. They were good messages. I ended up taking the wrong road and got way back in the boonies with a loaded truck. So that was interesting, but it was a blessing. <clears throat> um, also, one morning, I early in the morning, I headed out and I just felt I needed some. Uh, some, something to stir me, something to bring life. And uh, so I went to uh, Burns' website, and they have a bunch of music on there, songs that you can listen to. And I, I clicked on one that was titled Faithful Men. To me, it was a new song. Actually, I found out later there's two songs, Faithful Men, but this one um, was unfamiliar to me. I'm sure some of you know it. And it just, uh, that's what my message is going to go off of, is this song, Faithful Men. 
And uh, I guess uh, after several of you being to leadership seminar, um, hopefully you're not going to mind if I'm focusing on the man again today. And hopefully you ladies and sisters aren't going to feel neglected. <clears throat> but this is what's laid on my heart, whether it's my good or for yours. Um, it's, it's what I have, so... Uh, Anyway, the song goes, There are many today who have wandered away. They are out in the fields of sin. Once they walked in the light, now they grope through the night. O Lord, give us faithful men. Faithful men, faithful men, to recapture the vision again. Give us men who are true and loyal through and through. O Lord, give us faithful men. Give us men who are strong when the battle is long. Give us men with the will to win. Men courageous and true, though their number be few, O Lord, give us faithful men. Faithful men, faithful men, to recapture the vision again. Give us men who are true and loyal through and through, O Lord, give us faithful men. There's no time for delay. Men are needed today, men persistent unto the end, men whose feet are secure on the rock that is sure. O Lord, give us faithful men. Faithful men, faithful men, to recapture the vision again. Give us men who are true and loyal through and through. O Lord, give us faithful men. So... um, that just ministered to me. I probably replayed the song seven times or so until I finally stopped, but it just, it was so rich. And so I, I, uh, I guess that's the title of my message here is Faithful Man. And I sought to, uh, through prayer and studying the word and uh, taking others' thoughts, to determine what, what are the things that are attributes, I guess you could say, of a faithful man. And I'm not going to cover it all because it would be pretty wide and broad. Uh, Ezekiel 22.30 said, or in Ezekiel 22.30 it says, And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. In a degenerating society, will we be that faithful man that stands in the gap? And uh, if you just, if you, if you watch or listen or read the news at all, um, and you're just cognizant of what's happening around you, it just seems our society is just degenerating. Some of the things that are now supposed to be accepted norms are... It's just amazing what we come to. And I think there's a, there's a greater call for the righteous to stand up and to stand in the gap. <clears throat> so I have three points here on uh, what are faithful men. The first point is faithful men have a godly pattern of life. And I think you all know where that comes from. And I'm going to read it out of Titus. Titus 
Titus chapter 2, 6 and 8, 6 through 8. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded, in all things showing thyself a pattern of good works, in doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. We need a pattern, but it must be a pattern of good works. I mean, probably all of us have a pattern. Um, We need a pattern of good works. We don't need a life of fireworks, but a stable, godly pattern of life. I think sometimes it takes us a little while to figure that out. It seems one of the most destructive things for a wife and children or anyone under us is to have an inconsistent and indecisive pattern in life. At least in my uh, short observation is that those under us do the best when we have a consistent godly pattern in our life. When you have a lot of bouncing around, it it does not affect... um, those under you very well. And uh, I think particularly probably most trying to the wives to have a husband that's bouncing all over the place and can't be consistent. So faithful men have a godly pattern of life. Number two, faithful men are honest. <clears throat> and this is a big one. I think it's, it's bigger. I mean, it's not just do you or don't you tell lies. It goes far beyond that in being honest. <clears throat> we too often can be dishonest about which, where we truly are at or at in our lives. We like to make things sound better than they really are. We'll say we're fine, we're good, everything's it's good, yep, but we're really not. And uh, just a little story, I occasionally go out to Stutzman's out in the hills and pick up a load. And there, there's a man there, he's probably 50 years old, kind of gray-haired man. Just seems a kind of soft-spoken, caring man. And But every time I come there, he says, how are you doing? And, you know, I'm not thinking about what I'm doing, i got work to do, and you know, probably dealing with enough of things in the life just to say I'm doing well might not be the total truth. So I kind of give him a, you know, I'm fine, I'm, I'm making it. And he looks at me, oh, you're making it. It's a little disturbing if you didn't want to get, you know, you don't expect that to come your way. I don't know much about him, but I've come to appreciate him quite a bit. He seems to have a discerning and caring Side to him. So anyway, what are we honest about where we are at? Are we transparent, or we do live? Excuse me. Are we transparent, or do we live our life in the shade, always leaving others wondering what we are doing when they are not present? That's a that's a that's a big one. Do you do you leave people in your life wondering? When you're gone, when you're not there, what are you doing? <clears throat> I 
to top that off and add to it, do we leave others questioning what our internet activity is like? It's it's a big one. <clears throat> Hopefully your wives are not wondering about you. <clears throat> we can go so many places on the internet and we can do it in privacy. And I think it does show, and it causes people to wonder, where are we at? <clears throat> are we living honest lives? <clears throat> do we act the same and do the same things regardless who we are around or if we are by ourselves? Are we living an honest life? <clears throat> you know, we can kind of adjust the way we act by who we're with. I guess it's not always bad, as long as we're being honest. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 3, 1 through 2, he said, Do we begin again to commend ourselves, or need we, as some others, epistles of commendation to you, or letters of commendation from you? Ye are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read of all men. Whether we like it or not, those in our care, usually particularly um, our family, but it can extend beyond that, those of our care are letters of commendation, whether we did good or not. Um, so there's something um, you can't hide that the fruits of our life do show. <clears throat> Proverbs 12:22 says lying lips are abomination to the Lord but they that deal truly are his delight. There it comes about what are you speaking which is a big part too. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord but they that deal truly are his delight. So here's a quote I don't even know who quoted this but I found it and I thought it was meaningful. It's uh, relating to a relationship, um, but it has to deal with honesty, so I thought it was pertinent here. Trust should be at the foundation of every committed relationship. After it is established, you feel encouraged to open up to each other, invest in each other, and commit to each other. However, broken trust is a major deal breaker in relationships. Lying is undoubtedly the fastest way of breaking that trust. No matter how big or small the lie might be, it leaves a nasty aftertaste and makes you question every following statement. Are we living an honest life? Okay, point number three. Faithful men are humble. So do we find it hard to confess our faults, to admit we're struggling, to admit failure, to ask for prayer, or to go for counseling? Do we find it hard? And I think, I speak from personal experience, we men find it hard to ask and to admit. Um, And of all things, to go for counseling? 
And we don't need that, right? We got it together. I just speak from experience. Are we humble enough? Or do we want to appear like we got it under control when we don't? Philippians 2, 3 through 8. This is showing Christ's humility. And I think he sets a good example here for us. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, And was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And uh, Randall mentioned about worshiping God and being mindful of your reputation. We have to leave that go if we're truly going to worship God. It's very true. So we should be humble enough to ask for prayer. Multiple times in the scripture, the apostles said to the church, pray for us. And, uh, you know, there's something respectable about that. To be willing to ask to others to pray for you. I think it does us good to, you know, to humble ourselves to that and ask for prayer. James 4, 6 says, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resist the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. So let's use some humility in our life. I think it would go a long way. Fourth point, faithful men are caring and affectionate. I'm going to read in 1 Thessalonians. Two, just two verses here, seven and eight. But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. So being affectionately, affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because you were dear unto us. Faithful men are caring and affectionate. We need to take time to pay attention to the little things. Sometimes we get so focused on the big things that we purposefully ignore the little things. And uh, I... That's, uh, I think uh, we may have an issue with that. At least I do. Um, sometimes we get our, get our focus so much on the big things at hand that uh, we don't have time for the little things. <clears throat> and I don't have an answer to that. I mean, sometimes you just got, there's only so much you can reach around. And uh, maybe the answer is stop trying to do so much. I'm not sure. <laughs> <clears throat> Luke 
Jesus said, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. So we need to take attention, pay attention to the little things. <clears throat> Jesus set out another example here in Mark 10, 15 and 16. He says, Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them, and blessed them. And uh, I think that's, that's probably where uh, we fathers might have a challenge at times if we find ourselves too busy. Do we take time to bless our children? <clears throat> Ephesians 4.32 says, And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Proverbs 3, Proverbs 31, 8 through 9. Open thy mouth for the dumb in the cause of all such as are appointed to destruction. Open thy mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and needy. Are we caring enough for the needs around us? 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly, shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. <clears throat> Let's sow bountifully in that. Malachi 4, 5, and 6, and this is actually initially where I was going to have my sermon out of. Um, Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet from the coming the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. And I think a, a message could be preached on that verse alone, turning the hearts of the fathers to their children, and the children to their fathers. And I would say in today's society, um, Maybe the opposite of that is the curse itself, is when the hearts are divided. And uh, it seems we have a lot of that. <clears throat> it's the cool thing. It's what your pop singers, that's what their lives are. <clears throat> Defiant to their parents. <clears throat> and their fathers, they don't care. That's Lord help us from being that way. <clears throat> Number five, faithful men are courageous, strong, and men of action. <clears throat> and here's uh, a quote from someone else on this topic. Lead, initiate, be a man of action. Assume it is your job and your moment. Hate apathy, reject passivity. I'll say that again. Lead, initiate, be a man of action. Assume it is your job and your moment. Hate apathy, reject passivity.
So let's, let's take that. Hate apathy and reject passivity. <clears throat> okay, I'm going to read out of Second Samuel <clears throat> chapter 10. through 13. <clears throat> okay, here it uh, uses David as a man that sprung to action. <clears throat> Second Samuel 10, 4 through 13. Okay, so I think David's man it went out in a battle and got captured, or I'm not sure what the history was, but I'll just break in here in verse 4. Wherefore Hanan took David's servants and shaved off the one half of their beards and cut off their garments in the middle, even to their buttocks, and sent them away. When they told it unto David, he sent to meet them, because the men were greatly ashamed. And the king said, Tarry at Jericho until your beards be grown, and then return. And when the children of Ammon saw that they stank before David, the children of Ammon sent and hired the Syrians of Bethirab and the Syrians of Zobah, 20,000 footmen, and the king Mekah, a thousand men, and of Ishtad, 12,000 men. And when David heard of it, he sent Joab and all the host of the mighty men. And the children of Ammon came out and put the battle in array at the entering in of the gate. And the Syrians of Zobah, and of Rehob, and of Ishtab, and Mekah were by themselves in the field. When Joab saw that the front of the battle was against him before and behind, he chose, okay, this is speaking of Joab now, he chose of all the choice men of Israel and put them in array against the Syrians, and the rest of the people he delivered into the hand of Abishai, his brother, that he might put them in array against the children of Ammon. And he said, If the Syrians be too strong for me, then thou shalt help me. But if the children of Ammon be too strong for thee, then I will come and help thee. Be of good courage, and let us play the man for our people, and for the cities of our God. And the Lord do that which seemeth him good." And Joab drew nigh, and the people that were with him, unto the battle against the Syrians, and they fled before him. So I'm just impressed. Um, these men were, I don't know the exact number, but I'm assuming they were outnumbered. At least they were surrounded, and that's not a good place to be in a battle. Um, but here Joab was able to muster his men, he said, Be of good courage and let us play the man for our people and for the cities of our God. And the Lord do that which seemeth him good. He threw his hands into the, threw himself into the hands of God and said, um, Let's do our part. We'll play the man for our people. So faithful men are courageous, strong, and men of action. Being responsible is a prime indicator of maturity and wisdom. In a relationship, you will face a lot of situations where someone needs to take charge and make a decision. 
A godly man should be willing to do so, spirit-led, but also take full responsibility for his actions in hindsight. So that's a quote, another quote I take, and this was about relationships. But there, there at the last it says, but also take full responsibility for his actions in hindsight. We don't always make the best choices, but we need to own up to them. <clears throat> Proverbs 14.23 says, In all toil there is profit, but mere talk tends only to poverty. We should not be one that just talks, but one that chooses action. <clears throat> I think we all find ourselves guilty of this. We can talk about great things and plans and all this, but we never do anything. Are we men of action that actually go and do? <clears throat> we should be skeptical of the mindset that is to do nothing is to fix everything. And that, that's kind of my own uh, my own version of, but sometimes uh, I don't know if we just say we're waiting on God or, or what we put it all under, but uh, sometimes we do nothing thinking that it'll fix everything. You know, basically, if we do nothing, it'll fix itself, right? Um, sometimes it works, but we probably shouldn't bank on that. <clears throat> A little encouragement here. We should never be discouraged because we tried and failed. But what is discouraging is when we never try. <clears throat> so you got a mountain before you? <laughs> try. Amen. The most discouraging thing is to never try. <clears throat> and to sit there talking about doing it. <laughs> Okay, the sixth point, faithful men are sacrificial. I'm going to read out of Ephesians 5. Husbands, love your wife. Remember, this is about being sacrificial. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish, so ought men to love their own wives. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they twin and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. <clears throat> I 
So it's saying here, as Christ gave his life for the church, we husbands are to do for a wife. Okay, Jesus in okay, John 10 sets an example of his sacrifice, of being sacrificial, as he speaks about being the shepherd. <clears throat> John 10, 2 through 18. But he that entereth in by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. <clears throat> we need to be, as Jesus said an example, he leads his sheep. He doesn't send them before him, but he leads them. He goes in front of them. <clears throat> as you all know, the one in the front typically faces the danger the first. And I think Jesus sets an example for that reason for us. He leads them out. Continuing on, And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him. I think that's her calling, to go before and to lead. For they know his voice. And a strange stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him. For they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. And here he gives this example of sacrifice again. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. I think we're called to be that shepherd. But he that is an hireling and not a shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth, because he is an hireling, and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. There again it is, his example. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice. And there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth the, my father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. And he says, no man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. This is voluntary sacrifice. I have power to lay it down and have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my father. <clears throat> so I think Jesus sets a perfect example here of sacrificial leadership. <clears throat> I think that's what we're called to, to sacrifice. <clears throat> okay, 
I think sometimes we enter into marriage for various reasons. Uh, she was beautiful. She, I loved her. Um, and uh, we get into it, and God says, okay, now you've got to sacrifice your life for her. <clears throat> and we start saying, hey, hey, wait, that wasn't part of the deal. Anyway, so that's what he calls us to here by his example. <clears throat> and here's, a, here's another big one. Faithful men seek God's kingdom first. <clears throat> almost feel someone else ought to have this one. <clears throat> Matthew six thirty one through 33. Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. <clears throat> but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Faithful men seek God's kingdom first. First Corinthians three, eleven through fifteen. Um, I'll just read it. In seeking his kingdom first above other kingdoms. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. <clears throat> so that's the foundation that was laid in our lives. When we came to Christ and became his child, that foundation, Jesus Christ, was laid. Now, if any man build upon this foundation... Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. What are you building on that foundation? Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so is by fire. <clears throat> so that's a, this is a, good, a real challenge to me. Do I seek God's kingdom first? And what am I building on that foundation? Is it wood, hay, stubble? You know, those things burn quickly and very, uh, very easy to burn. Or am I building gold, silver, precious stones, something substantial, something that will endure the fire, something that will last? <clears throat> So faithful men seek God's kingdom first. What are we seeking? <clears throat> Here's another quote that I got. Um, A God-fearing man that knows that his riches are not earthly, but comes from God, will worry less about money and know that God can meet his needs at all times. <clears throat> A God-fearing man that knows that his riches are not earthly, but come from God, will worry less about money 
and know that God can meet his needs at all times. I think uh, maybe it's not for you, but that's a challenge for me. How much do we worry about the money? So in in closing here, I'm going to read out of Joel. Just kind of as a final encouragement. chapter 2, starting at verse 12, going through to the end. <clears throat> and this, is, this is meant to be an encouragement, <clears throat> but also an exhortation. Verse 12, Therefore also now saith the Lord, Turn ye even to me, Okay, so back up a little bit. The previous part of this chapter, I think he was speaking about uh, bringing some pretty hard judgments against these people. And then he follows with this. Therefore also now saith the Lord, turn ye even to me with all your heart and with fasting and with weeping and with mourning. And rent your heart and not your garments and turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful slow to anger and of great kindness and repenteth him of the evil. Who knoweth if he will return and repent and leave a blessing behind him, even a meat offering and a drink offering unto the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, call an assembly, call a solemn assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and those that suck the breast, Let the bridegroom go forth of his chamber and the bride out of her closet. Let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep between the porch and the altar and let them say, Spare thy people, O Lord, and give not thine heritage to reproach, that the heathen should rule over them. Wherefore should they say among the people, Where is their God? Then will the Lord be jealous for his land and pity his people. Yea, the Lord will answer and say unto his people, Behold, I will send you corn and wine and oil, and ye shall be satisfied therewith, and I will no more make you a reproach among the heathen. But I will remove far off from you the northern army, and will drive him into a land barren and desolate, with his face toward the east sea, and his hinder part toward the utmost sea. And his stink shall come up, and his ill savor shall come up, because he hath done great things. Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord will do great things. Be not afraid, ye beasts of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness do spring. For the tree beareth her fruit, the fig tree and the vine do yield their strength. Be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he hath given you the former rain moderately, And he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain in the first month. And the floors shall be full of wheat, and the fats shall overflow with wine and oil. 
and I will restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten. You ever feel like the locusts have taken from you? You went backwards? <clears throat> and I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten, the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. And ye shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God that hath dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be ashamed. And ye shall know that I am in the midst of Israel, and that I am the Lord your God, and none else. And my people shall never be ashamed. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old man shall dream dreams. Your young man shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out of my spirit. And I will shew wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun will, shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance as the Lord hath said. And in the remnant... Whom the Lord shall call. <clears throat> so, I'll just leave that as a final encouragement. <clears throat> Lord bless you. <clears throat>